The Kinky Cocktail Hour is brought to you by Motor Bunny, the world's most powerful saddle-style vibrator that offers fabulous creative sexual experiences. We use it and it rotates, it vibrates, and it delivers mind-blowing orgasms. Enjoy Motor Bunny as your favorite sex toy. When you order the Motor Bunny, multiple attachments are included along with the link controller, which allows wireless control from anywhere. Motor Bunny is the world's most powerful saddle-style vibrator on earth. Use the link in the show notes and spice up your sex life with a Motor Bunny. You're listening to Kinky Cocktail Hour, a conversation between adults about sex-forward relationships, kinky lifestyles, and frank communication. If you're under 18, please stop listening and visit scarletteen.com. I'm Lady Petra, and my pronouns are she, hers, and we. I'm Safa Master, and my pronouns are him, his, and we. And this is Kinky Cocktail Hour. Cheers! Cheers. Okay, what are we drinking today? I'm drinking a drink called Gold Rush. Gold Rush. And to be honest, we got a new ginger liqueur, and so it is one and a half ounces of ginger liqueur, an ounce of bourbon, and a half ounce of lemon juice. Wow. And then stirred, served in a rocks glass, and then I, of course, gave us our candied ginger. Which I love. Which you can kind of use to, to mix it a little bit. Mm-hmm. It's been mixed, but, you know. All right, well, let's give it a taste. Smells gingery. You smell the bourbon. You said bourbon, right? Yep. Yeah. Well, that's quite good. It is good. Yeah. Ooh, that has a nice ginger. Yeah. Yeah, I could see that going with lots of different types what, of food. What's nice about this is you have the ginger and the bourbon sort of up front. Yes. And then the lemon at the back. Yeah. And it just leaves you with this nice sort of full mouth flavor. Mm-hmm. Then bourbon's great because the lemon is the acid you need yes. in this. And the bourbon is sweet enough to to balance the acid. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, the ginger is the flavor that's picking up the sweet and stuff. Yeah, that's good. It's just always surprising to me how bourbon is such a great mixed drink mm-hmm. alcohol. Well, and when I see, when I get a ginger-based drink like this, mm-hmm. you know, then I think, oh, this would be good with, like, Asian food if we're having, you know, as a pre-drink totally. drink to yeah. set the palate up yeah. for the food you're going to eat, you know. It, it just it's fascinating. I love how I'm starting to now be comfortable enough with the liquors that we're using to then think ahead, like what would I serve that with? I think food pairings and alcohol is is the next. Yeah, that might be a to way climb. to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm excited about be it. Interesting. Mm-hmm. The Kinky Cocktail Hour is brought to you by Slub USA, the world's strongest, most powerful male masturbator. Visit Slub USA at slub, S-L-U-B-B dash USA dot com. Today's conversation is brought to you by WeMinder, a behavior chart app for kinky couples like us. Learn more at WeMinder dot app. Okay, here we are. The story of O. The, the last prologue. part of the prologue. Yeah. yeah, this is part three of the prologue before we even get into the introduction to the book. Right. And wow, 
there's a lot in there. It's a lot. Yeah, it starts off with this love letter, theoretically written by O, mm-hmm. to whomever. Yeah. And it really sort of dives into this notion of slavery as self-expression. Mm-hmm. And yeah. the desire to be enslaved as the path to pleasure. Well, and I really hear, I get that the whole emphasis of O is slavery, but this is just the prologue. So until we get into the book, I'm not going to speak about that. But I am going to mention my knee-jerk reaction in reading some of the things she describes in the letter was her access to pleasure through masochism. Yes. That, yes, in our dynamic, obviously 24-7 TPE, collared, owned, slut as I am, the owning of me is paramount. It's powerful for me. That's, that is what sets the tone of my context. And then the pleasure, there's pleasure in that, but that devoid of everything else as just a slave, devoid of my expression and my masochism would be short-sighted, would be unfulfilling. I know that now that she really is speaking to the masochism, like don't bring your kind words, bring the whip. And that she feels she toys with the idea of betraying her fellow sluts, right? By asking for this, that's a masochist asking for what she needs. That's right. Yeah. I mean, really, because all the women there in that concave are slaves, sluts. Yes. Varying degrees. I mean, we haven't gotten to that part in the book, but I'm just going to extrapolate. Yeah. But she says, I may be betraying them because they may not be masochists. Right. That they may love the ownership and the and being used as a slut. Right but may not prefer the masochism. Yeah, but you can relate to both of those. Yes, but yes. she's striving. She's she's angsting for that. That's and, right. And that is a masochist love letter. Yeah. And in my opinion. It is. And it it rings true. Totally rings for, true. For my experience of our experience yes. together. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it rings true. And he goes on as a as a man, he goes on confronted by this. Yeah. Not really able to understand fully the experience of women. Like he gets like the way he's put women up on a pedestal. And then as a male, he sees the world a certain way. Like there are expectations of society that you should be all things, all men, mm-hmm. you know, that there's a, there's a common thread there, but yet he thinks that's the mistake that men are making, that it's really women have the answers. All of the answers. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And inside of that, he, confronts this notion of love as an expression that's not understood. Like there's a capacity to love that comes from this sense of slavery and ownership that far exceeds the capacity of people to love ordinarily. And I I agree with that because I know we're experiencing a love that's both of us have never experienced, but I'll beg on this a little bit because although I, I don't want to compare, but it is easy to do, our dynamic to marriage, we have a, a, a commitment level that I think is more intense than a marriage, but in the sense of society, what society has constructed for people is marriage, let's just say, as that commitment right. well, standard, gold standard, if you will. And I feel like my collar has more meaning to me than my wedding ring ever did. But it is a similar thing. And back in the day, when people were married, your your woman was like the pro- here, take my woman. Here's dowry because she's not well worthy enough. So we got to give extra frosting on the cake for you to take her. And now you're owned because men could beat you with anything as thick as your thumb. Right. I mean, talk about owning. Yes. Maybe it may not be 
a consensual or desired owning, but it was still an owning. Yeah, for sure. He also talks about two words that really disturb him, the word love and the word free. And he talks about there being a dependence, that love implies dependency as opposed to freedom. But you and I have the experience of feeling more free than ever in our loving dynamic. Yes, I know. It's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. It's, yeah, it's eluding him. He hasn't, I feel like what we're experiencing, and I'm not saying he has to be a kinkster to have that, but he hasn't yet found kind of the nirvana that we've found. No, he reduces love to needing to rely on a glance or a you know, smile or a acknowledgement. The feedback. The feedback, yes, as yes. opposed to just having the experience of being loved well, or loving. Did, you know? We've talked about gratitude being our access yeah. to love. Well, gratitude doesn't mean that you're smiling at me or not. You know, I mean, I could be grateful that you are, but, yeah. but gratitude in general gives you access to happiness and vulnerability and love and those kinds of things, right? That we have included in our dynamic in such a way that gives us this new level of love. That's true. And he also is sort of trying to wrap his head around that this woman is asking for torture. Yeah, but she's a masochist. But she's a masochist. (laughs) (laughs) And then he goes on to circle back to his initial premise of the the slaves being free. Yep. And he gets sort of wrapped up in, because this this was written right after World War II, and he gets wrapped up in this ability that humanity has to destroy civilizations with the dropping of a bomb. Right. And he sort of is in an inquiry of this, like, is there an existential balance between violence and happiness? And that violence has to offset the happiness. So there's this existential threat to happiness with violence. So I definitely think you're on, you're using the right words on how he sees it. Yes. But I would never say what we do is violence. No. Now filmed what we do. If someone was to film it and take it out of context and just show it to someone, someone might say, yes, there's someone's hitting someone. Someone's abusing somebody, right? That's violent and that violent, but consensual kink is not violence. And she's consenting. She's asking him for those things. Yeah. Right? Yeah. She's asking for more than what he's probably giving her because she's trying to point out to him, I need this. And he does make an interesting shift. He reminds himself that when he was a kid, he would play at being different characters and he would do it with all of his heart. Like the way he put it is, I carried the world on my shoulders. Yeah. But, you know, and we know from our experience, not in not in our like personal experience, but as part of the kink community, that role play is that. Like role play yes. is adults taking on with all their heart the experience that they're taking on. And, and we haven't changed. Yeah. As children yeah. with our pretend or playtime, yeah. we haven't changed. Those same joys that we had as children just grow up. And as adults, we're still trying to express ourselves through that play. And that's why role play is so powerful for people. Well, it's true. If you look at children, they play unreservedly. Mm-hmm. They ha- they're, they're what we call self-expressed. Mm-hmm. And if you look at a group of adults, they don't look self-expressed. No. But if you went to the fetish ball, you would see a bunch of self-expressed adults. Well, And it, and it was like adults having recess. Yeah. I mean, really, it really was. that's what it is. Yeah. And and I don't think because we're adults, we 
all of a sudden, no more recess for you, no more right. playtime for you. Although society expresses that, that there's only appropriate kinds of play. Like you can go to the movies, you can enjoy a meal. These are the types of plays. Right. But when you played as a kid, we didn't have a hierarchy as a bunch of kids going to go play knights and, you know, Robin Hood, let's say. We didn't say, oh, but you're not very good runner, so you can't be this. Right. No, a kid would say, I'm going to be an archer. I'm going to be a swordsman. I'm going right. to be a princess. Even a boy might say, I'm going to be a princess, whatever. Sure. Yeah. It didn't matter. You were just what it was that it came down to. Yeah. As children, you declared yes. what you were going to be in yes. your role. You, and, no and one that, told you. Like Kids would say when they play with guns, even though it's a bad timing with gun control, kids would say, I have a shotgun. I have a machine gun. Right. And kids would upscale their, their weaponry right. on the spot right. during war games. Right. I mean, people are doing that in online virtual war games. Sure, sure. So it, it hasn't changed. No. It's it's a declaration of who you want to be in this play, role play fantasy. Yeah. And then you be it. Yeah. Well, that's really funny that you said that because I just had this realization that the self-expression of children is now encouraged through computer games. Gaming. Yes, gaming. it is. It that's is. The, that's where the self-expression is, but that's still a virtual experience. Yep. Whereas in kink, it's a real experience. Exactly. Well, yeah. that's why kink and you see Renaissance fairs and other ways that people can re battle in reenactments. Yeah. This is a ways that adults can express themselves in role play. Right. And, you know, in the end, he's finally confronted by this idea because he's trying to intellectualize this, right? He's confronted by the idea that it's really sad that they didn't have that book from the Barbados slaves to know what it was that they were offering the former master. Mm -hmm. And he says, well, you know, it was probably in some way embellished by the pastor. You know, they, they brought their morality to it. But somehow there's a loving of the master by the slave. And that's sort of where he sort of gets to the point of ending it, that, you know, the experience of O is a love letter, because if the Barbados slaves could love their master, which I think is the wrong reading of it. I think it is, too. But that's, his, but that's the way he's thinking. Yeah. If the Barbados slaves could love their master, then it's logical that O could love her master. Yeah. And I think, and I think he's misguided there. On yeah. that, I think there's probably a whole bunch of other undercurrents on the Barbados slaves on why they ended up killing their master, sure. not just because he wouldn't take them back. I think, frankly, they think they probably they earned a right to parts of the property or separate whatever. And, right. and of course, he wasn't going to do that. Right. Right. So it was an all or nothing for him. And then at that point, it was much more of a rebellion, not a Desire I can't live without back. you, master right. kind of thing. I don't right. think that is. And I and I say that because I don't think it was a loving, consensual relationship to right. begin with. Yes, that's and right. And that's the difference. That's why we both shudder at the word slave. I get that people use that and they're what they're often trying to do is describe the limits on agency and devotion and the level of obedience and service right. of a person. And I'd hope that our kink community can think of a better word and not even Kajira. I don't think that works because yeah. not everyone's Gorian, right? right? But that we think of some word that encapsulates or an adjective even that encapsulates when you have someone on the submissive side of the slash 
exhibiting extraordinary service, extraordinary levels of obedience. And that, that doesn't have to mean loss of agency either. I think we are human and we have laws in this, in this country to protect us each as humans. And to completely be devoid of agency to the point where, you know, someone can just start cutting off your fingers. Again, we're talking now that's criminal act. You know what no, I mean? I, I do. It does occur to me that there is something very slave-ish mm-hmm. in our dynamic, right? So, oh, of course. So, I, I've so tried to describe myself that way. Yeah. You're deeply devoted. You're a service submissive. Yeah. You... Give me your power. You accept my dominance in a thousand different ways, Mm -hmm. but you have agency and it's consensual. And that's the difference. That's the difference. Yeah. Yeah. So interesting to get through this with his opinion. Now we move on to the introduction, which I'm not sure, but I think it comes from the author. Yeah. Yeah. So that'll be exciting to read too. Yeah. Because we're getting, we're getting closer to the meat of the book. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's it for today. If you're interested in kinky relationship coaching, online domination, or if you'd like to sponsor the pod to keep it going, please visit our Patreon website at Lady Petra Playground. You can reach me via email at ladypetraplayground at gmail.com. Our music is composed and performed by Roger Ferguson, who can be found at rogerfergusonmusic.com. Till next time, cheers! Cheers!